Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris and Chelsea, and we are jumping into Hosea. So... (laughs) It's a great Here book. Here we go. <laughs> Lots of visuals and descriptions, and uh, yeah, it's a powerful message. So the, the encouragement with this is dig into this thing, uh, read it for yourself, listen to the, the audio reading. Uh, what we want to accomplish today is actually like a little bit of a broad scope, kind of like how do you handle Hosea? I think that's what we're shooting for today. Yeah. Um, so Chris, maybe you have some insight into this. Like as we look at Hosea, what are things we should know? Uh, how should we look at this particular kind of book? Sure. So uh, as with most of the prophetic books, there are themes that run throughout these prophetic books. There's themes of sin, which we clearly see uh, in the book of Hosea. Uh, The sin that's being talked about is described in some pretty harsh terms here. Then there's predictions of judgment because of that sin, but woven in kind of as a thread of hope in a lot of these books, there's also words of restoration. And so when you get a, a prophetic book of the Bible, it's not just one one long prophetic word that a prophet one day stood up and gave the thing in its entirety. It's often a collection of the various words that they've spoken throughout their prophetic career, but it it is compiled to a similar audience and for a similar purpose. Uh, so in this case, we've got words of sin, judgment, and even some restoration in here that's being spoken to the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, we talked the other day that they are about to go to exile. We've seen a lot about their sinful kings and what they're doing. And the setting of this book, it, it's going to use a, a theme and a story to communicate just how bad things have gotten in. That theme can be a little bit alarming if you're not expecting it. Uh, if you open up this passage of the Bible and you start seeing words like prostitute and whore, it's like, whoa, uh, do I want to play this for my kids? Um, yeah, maybe listen to it first if you want to play it with your kids. Listen to it later so, <laughs> with your kids. Compared to other books of the Bible, it's still pretty tame, or other chapters of the Bible, let's say that. There, there's some uh, pretty foul ones coming later. But they also are very similar. It's describing sin. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you see in this, Chelsea? Um, well, I think the, the whole overarching metaphor for marriage and God and his love for his people um, it's hard for me to look past the beauty of that because there's like a lot of things in here that are just like, ooh, that didn't feel good. Um, but like the the person who's positive inside me mm. <laughs> wants to be like, God loves Israel so much and he's showing it through this incredible thing that he's asking this prophet to do. And we know that God sometimes asks prophets to do some weird things. This is one of those weird things. <laughs> Jose is asked to go and marry a prostitute. Yeah, and this this is a theme that uh, is pretty consistent in Scripture, that God often describes His relationship with His people as a marriage. I mean, even New Testament terms, the bride of Christ, it it comes from this prophetic imagery, and marriages are they're a good thing. They are meant to be a deep, loving relationship with uh, faithfulness and commitment, and when that commitment and that faithfulness is broken, it's a tragedy. And he's using that emotional word picture, that emotional language to describe the tragedy that has happened because of Israel's sin. The fact that they had this relationship, this covenant relationship, and through their going to idols and and their trusting in other gods, they've committed spiritual adultery with God. Uh, and that's, it is, it, there's a beauty when it's walked out in the right way. Right. But when it's broken, that's ugly. 
Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, what does that mean for us today? <laughs> we talked about a little bit before we started recording, like, what sin looks like for us today is breaking that commitment with God. <laughs> I mean, if, if we think about uh, our acceptable sins that we do, you know, the lie that we tell or, you know, whatever, whatever else we do, going over the speed limit, Ryan, or, you know, who knows, whatever else. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> called out. <laughs> that, that's offensive to me. <laughs> if, we, if we think of that in like terms of adultery, of like sexual immorality, it's like, oh, wait a second, that's... That's a little bit different. And, and you've got to know, like, Israel had rationalized their worship of other idols. Mm-hmm. They were not seeing it as, as serious as God was seeing it. And, like, even as you read this, you, you see the beauty of what God wanted, but you, you see this sadness of that faithfulness that's bro- broken. And, and some of the images here is just like, oh, that is so sad. And you want to go, guys, what are you doing? But if we're honest, if we look in the mirror, we should be saying, guys— or me, what am I doing? Yeah. I mean, to think about how we're called the bride of Christ as the church, the imagery of adultery and marriage, we don't have to take it that far. I mean, we're called as bride for a reason. And so when we start worshiping something else or someone else like ourselves, um, that adultery, that um, idol worship starts creeping in the same thing that the Israelites were guilty of. You know, one of the verses that kind of jumped out at me is uh, would be from chapter four, verse seven. It says, "They exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols." You know, and they had God; He was their King. He had given them the law, and they said, "No, we actually we want wood, we want stone, we want weird pagan religions. We trust ourselves more than we trust you." And um, it's sobering, but then again, we do that too. Yeah, I think that rationalization that you alluded to or actually just called out directly is is so important because it sounds ridiculous to say like, well, they wanted wood and they wanted stone and they wanted silver. Actually, what they wanted is what was very present in the culture around them. Mm. So there were plenty of people around them that were worshiping wood and stone and silver often. And so the the these folks, these people called by God, they just slowly tricked themselves <laughs> into willfully worshiping stupid things. Mm. Um, that looked a lot like the things that were already there. And so I think like, especially as we talk about ourselves, as we think about our own lives, um, is there times in our lives where we willfully pursue things that draw us away from God because it just looks like what everybody else is doing in culture? Of course there is. Yeah, absolutely. Of course there is. And there, there is another thing they're indicted for is that instead of turning to God, they went to the other nations around them. Yeah. They, uh, it, it talks about them going to Egypt for help. It talks about them going to Assyria for help, which that was like really a stupid move because Assyria is the guys who are going to totally wipe them out. Yeah. Like they literally went to their eventual conquerors that's, instead of God. That seems to be a theme that's actually amping up. That seems to be something that's been more – and maybe it's because like the, the tensions are amping up. Um, but national defense basically seems to be an increasing theme from these prophets. And it seems to actually be one of the things God's pretty upset about. Like, uh-huh. hey, you're supposed to come to me for your defense, not Egypt, not Assyria, not, you know, all these other So where, where do people today go when they should be going to God? We run to money. We run to security. We run to comfort. We, we you know, and I think we— there's probably even we run to certain governments of like, hey, this is the one I can trust and this is the one that I can't. But at the end of the day, our trust shouldn't be in those things. They have to be in God. Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I think the other thing that kind of stood out to me, I just, one specific verse talks about how um, eventually Israel, again, going back to the redemption part, eventually Israel will call the Lord their hus- her husband instead of um, her master. Um, in Hebrew, Baal means master. Um, so there's like this, again, this kind of sweet turn from calling something your master to calling something my husband. It's like this relational aspect. Um, and I think there, and culturally, they probably would have, women would have called their husbands masters. I'm thinking of like Sarah and Abraham, I think. Um, but there's this like relationship with God that is just even deeper and sweeter. Mm. And it, it is great to point out some of those calls to return and restoration things. Because even though the Northern Kingdom, this nation, they, they're going to be judged. Like Assyria will take them over. A nation is made up of people. And like we don't get the, the detail insight into, so what was the result of these messages? We don't actually ever get to see some of those things. We just see a nation going into exile. Uh, but I, I tend to believe that there are individuals within those nations that they would have heard some of this. They would have heard some of this message and they would have repented. Of course, Judah, who are their brothers, uh, the southern kingdom, they're going to hear about this. They're going to hear some of these words. So that, again, is that call to repent. So even when judgment is imminent, that call to repent in return is there. And, and I have to believe, I do believe that at least some of the individuals did heed that call, even if the nation as a whole did not. Yeah. Hosea 2, beginning in verse 14. But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there, as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. O Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips, and you will never mention them again. On that day, I will make a covenant with all the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground, so they will not harm you. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, so you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. In that day I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the sky as it pleads for clouds, and the sky will answer the earth with rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees. And in turn they will answer, Jezreel, God plants. At that time I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those I call not loved. And to those I called not my people, I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, you are our God. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have any sexual relations with anyone, not even me. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendants, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. 
Hear the word of the Lord, O people of Israel. The Lord has brought charges against you, saying, There is no faithfulness, no kindness, no knowledge of God in your land. You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. That is why your land is in mourning, and everyone is wasting away. Even the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and the fish of the sea are disappearing. Don't point your finger at someone else and try to pass the blame. My complaint, you priests, is with you. So you will stumble in broad daylight, and your false prophets will fall with you you in the night, and I will destroy Israel, your mother. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. The more priests there are, the more they sin against me. They have exchanged the glory of God for the shame of idols." When the people bring their sin offerings, the priests get fed. So the priests are glad when the people sin. And what the priests do, the people also do. So now I will punish both priests and people for their wicked deeds. They will eat and still be hungry. They will play the prostitute and gain nothing from it, for they have deserted the Lord to worship other gods. Wine has robbed my people of their understanding. They ask for a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them the future. Longing after idols has made them foolish. They have played the prostitute, serving other gods and deserting their God. They offer sacrifices to idols on the mountaintops. They go up into the hills to burn incense in the pleasant shade of oaks, poplars, and terebinth trees. That is why your daughters turn to prostitution and your daughters-in-law commit adultery. But why should I punish them for their prostitution and adultery? For your men are doing the same thing, sinning with whores and shrine prostitutes. O foolish people, you refuse to understand, so you will be destroyed. Though you, Israel, are a prostitute, may Judah not be guilty of such things. Do not join the false worship at Gilgal or Beth Haven, and do not take oaths there in the Lord's name. Israel is stubborn, like a stubborn heifer. So should the Lord feed her like a lamb in a lush pasture? Leave Israel alone because she is married to idolatry. When the rulers of Israel finish their drinking, off they go to find some prostitutes. They love shame more than honor. So a mighty wind will sweep them away. Their sacrifices to idols will bring them shame. Hear this, you priests. Pay attention, you leaders of Israel. Listen, you members of the royal family. Judgment has been handed down to you, for you have led the people into a snare by worshiping the idols at Mizpah and Tabor. You have dug a deep pit to trap them at the Acacia Grove. But I will settle with you for what you have done. I know what you are like, O Ephraim. You cannot hide yourself from me, O Israel. You have left me as a prostitute leaves her husband. You are utterly defiled. Your deeds won't let you return to your God. You are a prostitute through and through, and you do not know the Lord. The arrogance of Israel testifies against her. Israel and Ephraim will stumble under their load of guilt. Judah, too, will follow them. When they come with their flocks and herds to offer sacrifices to the Lord, they will not find him because he has withdrawn from them. They have betrayed the honor of the Lord, bearing children that are not his. Now their false religion will devour them along with their wealth. Sound the alarm in Gibeah. Blow the trumpet in Ramah. Raise the battle cry in beth Lead on into battle, O warriors of Benjamin. One thing is certain, Israel, on the day of your punishment, you'll become a heap of rubble. The leaders of Judah have become like thieves, so I pour out my anger on them like a waterfall. The people of Israel will be crushed and broken by my judgment because they are determined to worship idols. I will destroy Israel as a moth consumes wool. I will make Judah as weak as rotten wood. When Israel and Judah saw how sick they were, Israel turned to Assyria, to the great king there, but he could neither help nor cure them. I will be like a lion to Israel, like a strong young lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces. I will carry them off, and no one will be left to rescue them. Then I will return my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. 
Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Asked the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I send my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Gilead is a city of sinners, tracked with footprints of blood. Priests form bands of robbers waiting in ambush for their victims. They murder travelers along the road to Shechem. They practice every kind of sin. Yes, I've seen something horrible in Ephraim and Israel. My people are defiled by prostituting themselves with other gods. O Judah, a harvest of punishment is waiting for you. Though I wanted to restore the fortunes of my people. I want to heal Israel, but its sins are too great. Samaria is filled with liars. Thieves are on the inside and bandits on the outside. Its people don't realize that I am watching them. Their sinful deeds are all around them, and I see them all. The people entertain the kings with their wickedness, and the princes laugh at their lies. They are all adulterers, always aflame with lust. They are like an oven that is kept hot, while... The baker is kneading the dough. On royal holidays, the princes get drunk with wine, carousing with those who mock them. Their hearts are like an oven, blazing with intrigue. Their plot smolders through the night, and in the morning it breaks out like a raging fire. Burning like an oven, they consume their leaders. They king their kills. They kill their kings one after another, and no one cries to me for help. The people of Israel mingle with godless foreigners, making themselves as worthless as a half-baked cake. Worshiping foreign gods has sapped their strength, but they don't even know it. Their hair is gray, but they don't even realize they're old and weak. Their arrogance testifies against them, yet they don't return to the Lord their God or even try to find him. The people of Israel have become like a silly witless doves, first calling to Egypt, then flying to Assyria for help. But as they fly about, I will throw my net over them and bring them down like a bird from the sky. I will punish them for all the evil they do. What sorrow awaits those who have deserted me? Let them die, for they have rebelled against me. I wanted to redeem them, but they have told lies about me. They do not cry out to me with sincere hearts. Instead, they sit on their couches and wail. They cut themselves, begging foreign gods for grain and new wine, and they turn away from me. I trained them and made them strong, yet the... Now they plot evil against me. They look everywhere except to the Most High. They are as useless as a crooked bow. Their leaders will be killed by their enemies because of their insolence towards me. Then the people of Egypt will laugh at them. Sound the alarm. The enemy descends like an eagle to the, on the people of the Lord, for they have broken my covenant and revolted against my law. Now Israel pleads with me, help us, for you are our God, but it is too late." The people of Israel have rejected what is good, and now their enemies will chase after them. The people have appointed kings without my consent and princes without my approval. By making idols for themselves from their silver and gold, they have brought about their own destruction. O Samaria, I reject this calf, this idol you have made. My fury burns against you. How long will you be uh, incapable of innocence. This calf you worship, O Israel, was crafted by your own hands. It is not God. Therefore, it must be smashed to bits. 
They have planted the wind and will harvest the whirlwind. The stalks of grain wither and produce and produce nothing to eat. Even if there is any grain, the foreigners will eat it. The people of Israel have been swallowed up. They lie among the nations like an old discarded pot. Like a wild donkey looking for a mate, they have gone to Assyria. The people of Israel have sold themselves, sold themselves to many lovers. But though they have sold themselves to many allies, I will now gather them together for judgment. Then they will writhe under the burden of the great king. Israel has built many altars to take away sins, but these very altars became places for sinning. Even though I gave them all my laws, they act as if these laws don't apply to them. The people love to offer sacrifices to me, feasting on the meat, but I do not accept their sacrifices. I will hold my people accountable for sins, and I will punish them. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten its maker and built great palaces, and Judah has fortified its cities. Therefore, I will send down fires on their cities and will burn up their fortresses. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.